Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 208 of the Sausage Factory. In this episode, I talk to Mila Irek of Boohar Games about their survival RPG action adventure game, Thea 2 The Shattering. But before we delve into that, let's talk about Kane and Rince and the glorious things that they make. First, we have Kane and Rince podcast itself, it comes out on a Monday, that uh, delves deep into a particular game where all the hosts actually finish the game i know shocking and then talk about it in great detail again shocking this week it features the last guardian which i highly recommend excellent excellent show i listened to myself earlier today no less as i was recording this then we have sound of play on wednesday it was where scores not scores as in ratings but scores as in music of video games are assessed digested and spat out well played and enjoyed, that's what I should say. And of course, then there's the Sources Factory, which you're listening to now, which comes out on a Friday. If you want to know more about Kane and Rince, you can pop along to kaneandrince.com, where you will find not only the archives of previous episodes of the podcasts that I just listed, but also forums, active forums, I know, shock, horror, and also blog posts. Very interesting blog post about all sorts of video game related things. Finally, there is Patreon. If you're so kind to donate a single dollar per month, just one US dollar. That's about 76 pence right now, although the way things are going, it's going to be worse. But anyway, <laughs> that's politics. Yes, if you donate one single dollar per month, you gain extra content, exclusive podcast. Um, extended edition of Kane and Rince and also there are the platform exclusive podcasts we've done a Mega Drive one this is out now for the public but uh, if you donate now you can actually pick up the Playstation one very early indeed two to three months earlier than anyone else will listen to it so but that's enough of that let us now move on to the main feature Mila hello hey, hello please do tell us who are you and what do you do? Hi, I'm Mila Irek and I'm the quest designer um, as well as the writer for Muha Games. Right. That's, that's quite a quest designer and writer. Yes. Right. So, first yes. of all, you hinted at this pre-recording, everyone. We had chats beforehand. I don't just dive straight in. That would be, un- you know, uncivilised. But we, you hinted that there was a bit of a story about the name Muha Games. Please enlighten yes. the, the audience before we. Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of not. It's a it's Robert says it better. Who's the Robert and Eva are our uh, studio heads. They're a married couple, and so they started making simple flash games uh, um, about ten years ago, um, I think. Um, and 
one of the very first games they ever completed was a very, very simple uh, game that was uh, squashing flies that sit on poo. <laughs> and hence the name Muha, which uh, is actually the Polish word, word for fly, uh, but spelt without a C. So it's kind of a, a play on words within oh. that too. So that's that's our little story. So there was like a, yeah, squatting flies sitting on poo game apparently which is <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's available anymore yeah it's, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. it's amazing how 10 years ago that all flared up the whole mobile phone game genre now it's it's in a very strange place some some games are full price some games are just candy crush yeah uh, it's just a very strange sort of environment and you know now the pc has been fragmented for decades and now we've got Epic Games moving in, muscling in, going, here's another store. Oh, thanks, we need one of those. We've got so few stores mm. for games. Here's another one. <laughs> I know, I know. As a consumer, I'm like, oh, I, can't, I just can't be asked. How many launches do we need? <laughs> how, yeah. how many? Seriously, I, I'm starting to lose the will to live on that. But uh, one shouldn't complain about choice, right? We shouldn't. Yes, Maybe we, true. I don't know. But uh, anyway, news aside... Let's delve into you and your background. When did you make your start uh, making video games and inputting into that extraordinary creative medium? Uh, well, I actually started uh, with Tia The Awakening. So, uh, oh God, what has been now? Four years, almost five, I guess, when we started. Uh, so, um, as the story goes, I was I was doing my uh, PhD in fantasy literature. I did not enjoy myself. <laughs> Had a couple of... Uh, fights with my supervisor uh, wasn't happy and my good friend Robert um, who's the coder um, he's also my game master in our regular role-playing sessions and I always uh, I have always written stories um, for our character like for my character and for, for the other characters in our role-playing games so he's, he's always been aware of my writing and uh, enjoyed it for some reason uh, so when uh, him and Eva and uh, Shimon decided that they want to move on from uh, squatting flies sitting on poo and <laughs> move on to to a bigger game, they needed someone that, uh, well, I must say the requirements were low. They needed someone that could write in English. <laughs> and uh, so they um, basically asked me to to come along and uh yeah because i was in a place in my life where i uh, didn't want to continue with the phd uh, i thought yeah i'll give this a go so um so i've had obviously writing experience being a, a literary person um but i certainly did not publish any work before before the uh, the awakening that's quite a background and uh so obviously english isn't your first language i'm assuming yeah. to say that and uh so I love saying this to I can I mean, as an English person myself who uh, English took Irish persons myself I find it difficult to objectively look at English as a language but as yourself you probably have most of your adult life maybe even younger and it's odd isn't it it's an odd mismatch of all sorts of languages and mm. it doesn't make a lot of sense does it Yes that... I think I think for a Polish person yes that's a problem because Polish is very structured uh, there's a lot of rules, very right. ironclad rules in Polish, uh, but not for me so much because I'm a very, I'm a very chaotic person. And um, <laughs> my mum was actually teaching English when I was a, a young child, and the way she taught English was uh, through kind of watching 
TV and playing with children and stuff. So through talking, basically, not through uh, strictly kind of grammatical lessons and so on. Mm. Uh, so I think I picked it up very early on in that kind of natural uh, way. So when I was 12 when I came to England, uh, so I never actually remember that uh, that learning period or that barrier right. or anything. So, but it, but for, yeah, you're yeah. right. It's uh, English is the scatological, isn't it? And uh, yeah. There's yeah. not. There are rules, but you know, when but, you say, "Oh, but this," oh, you know, they try to encapsulate them. And they go, "Here's a rule." However, yeah. <laughs> however, there's these fifty exceptions here, there, and just have to memorise them. Yeah, the, the, that, <laughs> that you don't do that, and then they start talking about passive voice and like, "Please stop!" <laughs> no, but um, yeah, run-on sentences and a semicolon is not your friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I love English. I love English, though. I'm like I. I I can't imagine writing in a different language. I think for that reason, because you can play with English more, I think, than yeah. oh, some, some Polish people are going to kill me now. But um, <laughs> that's just my subjective opinion. In no way do I, you know. There it is. <laughs> there it's it is. not the opinion of Muha Games. No. <laughs> just... but, um, so, but were you always a, a bit of a fan of the, the video game? Um, medium thing? Yes. Yes, pretty much. I mean, my brother, he's six years older than me, and I was one of those sisters that just did everything that my brother did, basically followed him around like a little shadow. So, um, so yes, I, I remember playing games from a very, very young age. Um, we were lucky enough, even though we were in Poland, um, we, my brother had um, games quite quite early so yeah I remember playing this boxing game and apparently when I was five or six that was my dream to be a boxer because I kept playing this boxing game so um, yeah <laughs> when was this is it 20 years ago oh, is it 20... God, yeah so it would have been well <laughs> yeah 30 <laughs> okay, okay. So, no, sorry I didn't mean to it's no no of... I wish because... it was 30 years ago I wish yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be um... nice yeah, it's because uh, I know Poland had uh, like clones of various Western computers when it was not part when it was you know part True. of the. So yeah, that that that. I can't remember which one we had. I think we had the Atari and the Commodore and something before that. I'm not sure. See, I'm not very technical, so. Um... Uh, okay, that's cool. No, but and and so the, and you said you studied uh, sort of high fantasy literature. Is it the, the, the typical sort of say typical? I shouldn't do that, but um, you know, Tolkien and stuff like that, or Wheel of Time, and or is it more Celtic yeah. legends and stuff like that? Well, or, I was or um, being ignorant. Sorry. Just, uh... Uh, no, well, I mean, I wasn't. I I was doing research on it as as a PhD project, so it wasn't studying as such. So it's a very narrow field. But I was I was mm. actually researching. Um, representations of race in fantasy literature that were based on this kind of Tolkien-esque structure that he built and that everyone else seems to uh, follow very readily. Um, so that was kind of my focus. So, um, And then I did go into various areas. And actually, that's how I came across um, Andrzej Sapkowski and then um, kind of Slavic fantasy as well. Right. See right. that research. Um, okay. So I can't, I, you know, it was so long ago, I... No, but um, what what reason I'm asking is it probably subconsciously it's feeding Mm. the work you're doing now. Of course it is. Absolutely. Of course it is. And but uh, but it sounds like other sort of methods of gaming, like you you hinted, uh, you play role playing games, as do I, and uh, I find them um, 
the, the it's it's characters stupid you know there's it's that's what drives everything it's you create these worlds and then players notoriously go off to focus yeah. on a, an inconsequential non-player <laughs> character and like and a dm i'm sitting there behind the screen going oh god now i've got to make up this life story of this person that doesn't matter <laughs> I know, I know. And, and, and in fact, say, you, you said about role-playing games. And in fact, when I design quests uh, in, in Thea, I, I have this one friend in mine who well, we always play with. He's actually part of Muha as well, Shell. And he always wants to kill everything. And he's always very disappointed that the rest of us want to talk and, and you know, do, do other stuff. So whenever I design a quest, I always call it, I have, I have the Shell option in my mind. I'm like, I, I need to remember that some players will want to just kill everything <laughs> and i need to make that available to them that's very strange the murder hobo um yes. as, as as we dms call it um yes. Uh, yes. i say you, you can do that but you're gonna suffer the consequences well um, yes yes yeah, yeah, i had right. someone comment actually uh, for the one that uh, oh you know you don't get um as many people joining you if if you kill them and i was thinking well that's mm, kind <laughs> of you know I mean, you know, well, what can you say for that? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think see, that's kind of logical. Yeah, murder hobo. If you're going to be like that, suffer the consequences. Yeah, so exactly. the only way to teach, the only way to you know learn them is to, is to do that. Excellent. Okay. So um, we're going to delve into the theatre and the theatre too, of course, and its nature uh, later on in the show. Before we, but so uh, that's a good start, actually. To, to, to write for a very odd and, and unique medium because it's not linear at all. Mm. It's branching and it allows you to, it gives you freedom but it also uh, restricts you at the same time. It's peculiar. I think it's um, um, it's a good, it's in a way better that I started with writing for games because mm. I've met people who have switched from writing um, novels or, or attempted to switch from writing novels to video games and they found it impossible because of the collaborative aspects and the branching and everything you don't have control over your story in in, in a video game you have to be very aware of of what the game needs and what the other departments need and feedback from from your team and feedback from the technology that you have available all sorts of little things silly things even like assets that are or aren't available can can affect and should affect your story so i think writers that um, come from a traditional background actually find it um very very frustrating yeah i can understand that and uh I think the most simplest way and the most analog way or you can um, relate to is, again, as a GM, uh, you write a narrative and the vain hope that the players will follow it. Very vain hope that will follow it. Normally they'll just <laughs> go off. Like, what about that down there? There's nothing to... Oh, never mind. <laughs> and it's just, you've got to allow for that. You know, you have to... Uh, and the uh, Railroading, which is a thing. Happens, mm. it's, uh, you can do it subtly. By basically shoving a dirty great carrot in front of them. Yeah. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that. And off they go. It's great. It's, it's, you know, it can be more subtle than that, of course. But, uh, yeah, I have done that in the past. Just to say, look, please get back on piste. I can't deal with this anymore. Yeah. So as a studio, then, Muha Games. And uh, this, this question is a little difficult to answer, so don't mind you... You know, humming and hawing and pausing because it might be you know difficult to encapsulate. But let's have a go anyway. 
What do you believe is Muhal Games' biggest influences as creators? Oh, that's it's it's a big question for one of us to answer. So you say. That's what I said. You know, um, I mean, you could. So I, mean, I think you you could do it yourself. That's fine. That works because yeah. you know. But I think it'd be nice if you actually also yeah. represent Muhal, no, which I mean, you do. So. Yes, yes. I mean, but it's but it's so broad, though. I think we're all we're definitely all role players. So I think pen and paper role playing games have a huge influence uh, on us as a studio. Um, and I think most of us um, are really into uh, kind of survival strategy kind of games. So I would again, this is. I can't give you titles because I actually am a, a role-playing fan. So that would be the guys they're more into strategy and, and survival games. So I know for them, uh, there would be titles uh, from that genre that, that influence them. Um, but it's really hard to put a, put a finger on it, to put names on it. I think just the fact that we are all very passionate about games and the fact that we've all become a kind of a weird family uh, because in another fun fact about Uha <laughs> is that we are all like we've been friends before we started Muha and like uh, Shimon and myself we're uh, godparents to uh, Robert and Eva's children uh, so we're all very connected um, so it's for us it's more than a studio it's it's like a little family which can of course have its downsides too but so I think what drives us is is more our passion in general for for gaming uh, and i know also robert for example he is a huge problem solver uh, i mean for him coding you know so he'll he'll code for for the game and then when he says he needs to relax he'll start coding a side project that's how crazy he is so i think the drive for him is pushing himself um doing new things experimenting with with new things and 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 kind of testing his own limits that's the uh, that's the impression that I get from him. Again, you'd have to ask him to, to know for sure. But if it, if if I can be counted as a reliable witness, then then I would say that's that's his passion. I think uh, so you yeah. can. So that's, that's good. <laughs> no, it's a it's a very nebulous question. I get mm. that, but mm. at least it allows you to think like that because you gave you gave you pause, didn't you? You realize, yes, I never thought about that. And that's quite common. You know, you don't want to think about it because you just want to barrel on ahead and let's not consciously think or consciously mm. think about the the things that influence us. But I think I'm just giving you a chance to do so. And that's yes. why that's why that question's in there because every guest on this show has answered these five questions. They're all the same, but the answers are always different. This is why I designed them in that way. Um, nice, nice. So that's that's why I wanted to draw out of you. You have all sorts of answers. Everything from what you've just said there, other games, to writers, the theatre, films, someone's pet. That happened. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's this draw inspiration or draw influence or something that you're anchored around or orbit around. Mm. And uh, that's definitely... It, it shows in your output, really, in, in theatre and theatre too, is that... Uh, there's a, there's a passion there for understanding the human condition and how mm. humans react to adversity. That's what I get from the theatre games. Um, that's my own personal view. You may Good. disagree, but that's that's what I think you're trying to purvey when you're put into very difficult situations and how you overcome them. Yes, 
Yes, I think I'd, I'd say that's the general idea because it is a at heart it's a kind of a survival game as in the world is dark and gloomy and everything's trying to eat you and then it's considering those you know down to I like those villagers and your little village and and there are of course grand quests where you're kind of you know rescuing the world and stuff but in a way I kind of think of them as less important I shouldn't say that as a quest designer but (laughs) (laughs) just 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 but you know I mean in the sense that for me, the more important ones are the little things that you do to build up to be ready to to face those big things. It's how you react to the world and what decisions you make rather than the actual world saving part. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So, uh, next question, kind of related to the last one. Again, I designed it deliberately this way, so it's getting up to a point. And again, this might be hard to answer because you don't want to offend anyone. But the question is this. What developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Well, that's definitely going to be very subjective just to myself. Absolutely. I'm not um, asking the whole no, I'm, that's, that's uh, just to you this time. Yeah, who, who I'm just... I'm a, I'm a, who do you say, you're good, you see, carry on doing what you're doing? Well, I'm going to have to... So, so I'm going to have to split this in two. So there was a studio that was my biggest... I just absolutely loved them and... and up until a couple of years ago, it would have been Bioware because I'm a, an absolute Bioware addict. Mm. And no one, no other studio has ever made games for me. Um, I mean, in the same way, like, you know, Dragon Age Origins, I played so many times. Um, it's a good game. That's so, a, a lot of fond memories playing through that. Yes, It yes. reminds me a lot of Baldur's Gate. Yes, you know yes, what I mean. Exactly, that, exactly, that exactly. Of... So it's that kind of yeah. So the day yeah. back then there was a, a kind of a a level of of writing and quest design, and also when I became an actual quest designer, that that increased for me in a sense because suddenly I appreciated the absolute enormous task that they were uh, undertaking and and how they did it. Uh, but then um, I'm kind of yeah not feeling that about them anymore i don't think um no, EA I'll, 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 done the EA thing yes and, yes exactly um, which is which is really sad which really is, and sad. a lot of the really good writers and developers have already left the ship anyway so it's hard to say that you can really call it bioware anymore no, so, so yeah so i'm bioware yeah. That's yes lovely. exactly exactly so the but, old um, bioware not whatever it is now so thing. what else who else do you um do you, uh, Acknowledge. Well, I mean, it's it's not going to be very original, but I would have to say CD Projekt has my vote right. at the okay. moment. Uh, just because I remember them in Poland back in the day when they were just guys doing this um, publishing thing and the newspaper and stuff, and now suddenly they're these huge people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, like, and also I what like, they did yeah, for, like, for the good old games they did a great job of making that yeah. and yes. I've, I've now got some old games that i bought decades ago and now work again on my yes. modern pc they can't and they're only like 50 pence that's great yeah. thank you thank you yeah. for that it's like yeah. a little license fee to upgrade it to a current yeah. current system but i'm sorry to interrupt and, you but um and the witcher games i did play one through to three um yeah uh, i actually really have a lot of fond memories of one because they were doing things that no one else was doing mm. Actually, the Witcher 1 is the only one that I fully played, actually. And not because I don't like Witcher 2 and 3. It's just that Witcher 2 had a really difficult fighting um, 
and I'm not a very good gamer. So I'm one of those people that will um, switch on story mode whenever it's uh, available and they didn't have it available in Witcher 2. So that, um, that kind of stopped me from finishing it. Uh, but I actually watched um, my boyfriend play all of them and loved the stories and um, I think it's it's an amazing role-playing game. It's it's now the one to beat, uh, I would say, um, in terms of, of design and writing standards and, and that yeah, sort I mean, of thing. Uh, but think... again, they've disappointed me recently, so I'm like, you know, I'm feeling a bit disappointed with yeah, them. Yeah, they've gone a bit so, weird, haven't they? Some yeah. Things have cropped out from that studio that yeah. aren't not so great. So I'm uh, so I'm a bit like well my heroes aren't so great anymore. <laughs> well I mean no I mean st- I'm still I still believe in them and I, I think yeah. you know they're going to do good things and I think I still think they have better standards than than a lot of the larger companies. Um, actually, another st- I've watched this documentary about um, oh god I'm not very good with names who who did um, Divinity Original Sin. Yeah, um, I was about to mention them. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. I can't and, remember um, name either. Um, oh, I know. Lyra and Studios, Lilad Studios, something like that. It's Larian, Larian, Larian Studios. Yes, yes, yes. And I met. I actually met. Uh, I think it's Sven that the studio had once, and he was he's lovely. And he's actually his talk has given me some ideas on on my own quest design and stuff. And after I watched that documentary, I, I think. Uh, they're probably the ones to watch for me now. Like I, I probably want to yeah, take I mean, a for look them, at them. It's, it's. I think that they've done extraordinary things, and they've been making games. In fact, they're making that series for, for a very, very long time. Yes, yes. So people don't know this. They think I know. Oh, I never realised. Yeah, it's been around for years. I played yes. the older ones because I'm thousands of years old. So yeah, I played the older ones, and they're a really good uh, action adventure hack and slash game. So really, very inventive. Uh, but then they went to this divine divinity thing, and it's just been going great guns ever since there's some extraordinary wealth of games out there and then there's the the pathfinder games as well uh, that's that came out recently and that's uh, one i need to delve into but there's too many games oh, i know and i no. personally have chosen my christmas game do you know what a christmas game is the one you're going to play yeah for christmas. christmas yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course of course i don't think i have one because you don't have one yet well just because it's going to be tier two testing and oh, working so. <laughs> i'm so sorry well, can't I can have christmas this year christmas is cancelled <laughs> this year <laughs> uh it's actually going to be dragon quest 11 because mm. you know that's nice, that's, nice there you go lots of friends of mine who are trust have said you, you should you should play this it's very good but i didn't play 10 doesn't matter it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's like Final Fantasy. It doesn't matter. There's no sequential order to them. They just, yeah. They're in isolation yeah. from each other. So yeah, I do a lot of my JRPGs uh, when they're good. When they're good, because mm. when they're bad, oh god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not 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 so good. Anyway, so last question then of the first half, not of the show, because mm-hmm. that would be weird. I did say there was two halves. But the fir- so uh, the last question of the first half is as follows: What are you playing right now? Uh, well, the only thing that I have time for now is uh, Heroes of the Storm, which is sad. But um, no, that's it's, fantastic. It's, it's it's our um, team bonding exercise. So um, we have our team meetings, and then we'll play a, a round of um, heroes. Tell us about um, your. Your thoughts as a writer and a creator of quests and people. Here you are playing a game 
that isn't about people, really. It's mm. well, it is kind of, but it's more about you're not the centre of attention. That's the thing about mobas. Mm. Um, here's with the storm, everyone. If you're not familiar, it's it's, it's a moba, uh, just like Dota is and and League of Legends and and Smite. They're the ones that immediately spring to mind. Um, but uh, tell us, what what do you make of it? Uh, having to this is my own objectively description of a MOBA is that you have to embrace the fact that you are part of a machine to overcome a single goal. If you think the world is evolving around you, then you're not playing it right. What do you make yeah. of that as, as a, you know, is it relieving? Is it like a catharsis that makes you feel, oh, at least I don't have to worry about, you know, what, what the next story plotline is. I just have to make sure that I make, I, I, make, I contain this while someone else is pushing up another lane dealing with their stuff do, do you want to talk about that um yes it's it's pretty much escapism in its purest form for me so it's it's all about playing with my friends i i, I don't think i'd uh, play on my i, I pro- maybe i have a couple of times when i really just needed um when i need my brain to rest from quest writing and things like that that's what i do because it kind of cle- clears your mind uh because it is all about team play and like you said just just doing the objectives and uh you know the characters are cool you know i enjoy the characters and i have you know a set of characters that i like more than others but there isn't yeah i don't think of it in terms of story or anything like that which is what i normally look for in in games so it's it's kind of weird for me that i enjoy it because i never used to uh but the guys kind of got me into it and uh now i i I really like it i mean if i had more time this wouldn't be my game of choice i you know i i'd much rather spend time on a nice role-playing game um but when you don't have much time and you want to play with friends i think the co-op experience or you know uh yeah that's for me is the the best part of it without that i wouldn't play it no and i hear you loud and clear of that it's that's the the one thing otherwise you look at it objectively to sort of training or you do the bots training just to you know when you get used to characters and stuff it's very dry the experience Mm. is quite dry the only only time you get when you take out the towers or a major point of defense or you take out one of the neutral monsters that drop something is quite handy uh, yeah. I'm being generic because if I make making mistakes about the game, apologies. I've I've played uh, no, no, a, a lot of mobas because yeah. I've actually in the process of writing a a feature called Dota Have a Clue, which is basically oh. a guide to mobas for people who want to know about them and why they're so successful and why they should have a go at them. Maybe the <laughs> main negative against them is the toxic can be toxic community. <laughs> That, yes. um, that evolves around them which yes. is this, this is yes this is why i've stopped actually playing lol because um that was very abusive yeah um in the chat and i didn't i don't i don't i don't have time to deal with kids swearing at me <laughs> um and, and actually hot i don't know what they do in 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 heroes of the storm but it kind of seems to be less so so yeah. i don't whatever they're doing i i, I like it <laughs> yeah and it's free to play of course so yes uh, and you can just buy new hats apparently yes but it doesn't yes. really affect the game yes because when i play the game a lot i now that i'm a developer i i tend to spend a bit of money now and again just yes, even though i don't need to particularly but i want to say thank you for I, a I good do that game too when i'm when i'm playing a game a lot of ga- uh, a game a lot uh when i'm playing a game a lot which is free to play like you, I go. Oh, I'm getting a lot of value and money out of this. This is some monies. There you go. Yeah. 
But that's yeah. the only, that's, that's how I do it. Because uh, yes. I always struggle with free to play because I like to buy a game outright because again I'm yes. thousands of years old. So <laughs> oh, no, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm the same actually. I'm the same. I I tend not to like um, yeah, yeah free to play games. But uh, mobas are I think like lol and 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 uh, hots are ones that I think do it the right way. So the things that you buy are really just cosmetic. You don't feel the pressure of having to buy it to win kind of thing. So I, 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 enjoy. I remember when, um, or oh, another game that I really like, um, which probably not a lot of people do is, um, that Bioware Star Wars. Well, because I'm a Bioware fan. Yeah, there you go. Oh, um, old Republic. Yes. But that, yeah. that went, um, that went free to play, but I always say it's not, it's free to try, not free to play because you can kind of do the first 20 levels on the free version. Yeah okay-ish but then if you really want to play you can't because they make silly things like they make you walk slower and don't have a, you can't have a certain amount of money and yeah. things that I, it's, these it's things really annoy me yeah it's, it's pay to function <laughs> yes in order for it to function as intended whereas at least blizzard are honest with world of warcraft like oh yeah you can do the first few levels and then you have to yeah. pay for the rest of it yeah. Take a drink, yeah. everyone. Just mention, yeah. wow, sorry. <laughs> um, I've been really good over the last couple of episodes. I managed to rein it in. But <laughs> unfortunately, I've just mentioned it. I'm sorry. I did used to play it for a very long time, and then I, I, I had to live for the sake of my own sanity. Uh, uh, yes. I, to... I, I played it uh, when it first came out. I yes. loved it. Um, I just, I, then, then I kind of, I don't know, It was I loved the community and stuff when it was fair, but then I dropped off, and then when I, I remember when I, came back to it it was just everyone was so professional about it all. I was like no I can't do it anymore <laughs> this is too much too much effort so on that there you go I lost my bet on my World of Warcraft reference never mind we're not going to go anymore everyone it's alright brace yourself don't worry I'm not doing it it's okay I'm contained to myself um, but let's go on to the second half where we delve deep into Thea 2 The Shattering My favourite mouthful. So, <laughs> it's a turn-based strategy survival forex kind of game with role-playing and card game mechanics, all set in a dark fantasy world inspired by Slavic mythology. There we go. Brilliant. That's what it is. <laughs> so, this isn't threes, everyone, just to be clear, or a clone of threes. So, that's, that's the other game I mentioned once every show, so take another drink. <laughs> 
I'm not sure you're familiar with threes, but it's a wonderful. Yeah. Oh, it's a look it up. It's a classic yeah, it's on, on iOS. And again, you just it's not free to play either. You just play it out and it's great. It will drive you crazy though, but it's a fantastic <laughs> game. But no, uh, it, it's it, from the outset. From the outset, the Thea and Thea Two have present you with some uh, quite harsh choices to make, uh, and uh, it's um, it's it doesn't pull its punches at all. And there's depth right from the outset. It doesn't hide anything. It's all laid before you. Rather than many games, they go they give you a subtle hint as to say, well, there's, there's some depth here, but let's just try this. Instead, it goes, no, off you go. Here we go. You, here's the situation. Deal with it. But before we delve into that, I want to ask you about the combat, or not combat, bad way to say it. I'm going to call it the skill test system, because sometimes it is combat, but sometimes it's actually you trying to open and unlock a door or unlock a chest or, or, I, or something. I always call it a, a challenge resolution. Challenge resolution. Challenge resolution. There you go. It's even better. Yeah. Um, so rather than rolling a d20 as you would do in most role playing games or indeed a set of dice like um, recently I ran the Warhammer fantasy role play game at uh, an event we have in London called Dragon Meat uh, mm. and that uses a d10 system it's a, it's, a, it's a d100 or 2d10 so whatever it's a game of chance whereas you actually have to measure against your own ability to succeed in, in Theatre 2 there's a card game and I just want to ask, when you, it seems to be limited to only two rounds. Can you expand on its design and uh, what, why, why is it that, that way? Well, it's, uh, it's actually going to go on for more than two rounds. But uh, the idea in Theater 2, so... Um, there's restrictions, give... that's what I was trying to say. You're right, it can go on for more than that. But yes. it's just that there's certain restrictions about how it flows. Just, just, just describe it for us, because I think it's... Fun, yes, you know. well, I think I'll, I'll describe it into it. So I'll, I'll start with like the, 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 the idea, the kind of lore idea behind it. So the idea is you play a god... So all these characters you have, they're actually, you know, and in Thea, they're literally your pawns, as it were, because so if you imagine, you know, gods having their pawns on Earth, and then when it comes to a challenge, the way the way I see it uh, is these gods literally, you know, um, play with your fate. So they set up this card game in a quite in a quite literal way, you know playing against fate so playing their own little people against fate so that was the kind of the the the, the story idea behind um why it happens this way in thea uh but the card game itself well so um it's it's kind of a, an evolution from from thea one or you could look at it as a as a as an experiment that draws on thea one so i said about uh, robert our coder being a person that likes to push himself and try a new thing so i think um he wanted to, so we wanted to remove some of the um, pure chance element that the one had. Um, not because we didn't like it, but because with the sequel you want to try different things. And we wanted to make this uh, iteration more tactical. So you have the setup phase where you have to make strategic decisions about where you're going to place your people. And what is very different in Tier 2 from Tier 1 is you, you have um, multiple attacks. So some people um, 
kind of mistakenly see it as you're cloning your people, but you're not actually cloning your people. What is happening is your warrior can hit more than once. However, that comes at a cost because if he's the only one on the field, then all the other, all the enemies are going to focus their damage on him, obviously, because he's the only one there. Whereas if you have more people on the field, the damage is going to spread uh, between the different people. So you have pros and cons of, of playing um, or using more than one attack on a, on a single character. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's that kind of, so you have the setup phase where you decide where your main heavy hitters go, your support characters, and there's a whole lot of skills in, in, in tier two, uh, where you can summon creatures, where you can shield your uh, allies, or you can delay your enemies. So, you know, all sorts of, all those sorts of things. So hopefully, once you learn the game, and I know it can be quite daunting when you first start, um, it's it's that kind of almost like a chess chess game or something, you know, where you have to think ahead, where you have to consider, you know, what is the enemy going to do? Uh, how am I going to anticipate his moves? What am I going to do? do rather than just kind of um, playing the cards randomly and hoping for for the best outcome, or or because even if you have high stats, that might not necessarily win you the game. That was the idea that, you know, you need more than just good equipment um, to win a challenging fight. Sorry, I think I went on for a bit, but I hope this answers your question. No, no, I, I, it's exactly what I wanted because it's it's a very core mechanic of the game. It's not uh, a game, it's not anchored around this experience. I hasten to add everyone. It's just, this is not about um, just this extraordinary a challenge uh, system that does exist and it is very it does um encapsulate risk and reward quite well uh, but there is always you know you're balancing your parties or your your the people you're controlling uh, or influencing i should say uh, based on their own abilities and like i say i understood that each time you placed a card it wasn't the actual person you're playing it's their actions that you're playing it's what these are actions that you're Putting before the, 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 the they're represented by a character or an avatar, and then it's behind the deck that you're pulling from. You're pulling from their deck of cards, and that's their actions. That's how I envisioned it. I, I think that's what you were trying to achieve. Yes. 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 That was the. I think you know it. It can be a bit confusing because, for example, you can play the same character in the range line and the melee right line but again the way i see it is is you have to imagine combat as a dynamic thing where people don't just stand in the one spot you know they yeah. can kind of you know and obviously it's not going to be an ideal representation of reality because it's never supposed to be with the uh, this these challenges were always um kind of conceptual um that's always been the case and i think it works really well with the idea that you're playing a god um so you can kind of get away with that kind of uh um unreal experience in some ways but at the same time we you know we we hope to make it quite a uh a tangible experience we don't want people to feel lost no and the next aspect of the game which is very different to the challenge mode but it is still a challenge in of itself Hey, so I did that. Um, there's an incredible amount of minutia involved with managing the party. You know, they have to manage their food, and their, they can create stuff. They can forage, and there's it's extraordinary level of detail going on there. 
Why? Uh, well, that's the survival and the forex aspect of the game, really. In short, so you know the the so when we first designed Thea One, and I know we're talking about Thea Two, but obviously they work together in a sense. Um, mm. So so the, the the very idea spawned from wanting to do a survival game initially, and then it grew. We didn't want to make just another survival game, and then the idea of a village came about. So then it turned to Thea. Um, but we we don't want to move away from that survival aspect and and you know having to deal with resources and having to find resources to make your own equipment before the world kills you is kind of a, a key aspect of of that. Uh, but also from a strategy game, equally, I think you also expect that level of management because you can't really avoid it if you want a complex strategy game. So it's kind of you. It's it's really hard to balance these things actually um, because obviously you don't want to swamp people with micromanagement, but at the same time, the more you cut it, the more you take away uh, the complexity. It's, um, what I found is it wasn't it's very welcome, but it's just a, such a change of pace. One minute I'm trying to deal with this sort of real time card game thing as I'm trying to overcome a challenge that I've just encountered. Next minute, I'm trying to see how much broth we can make. <laughs> mm, mm. I think this is the thing with Thea, because it's a hybrid game. Mm. And people, like, it's it's really funny when you meet people in uh, conventions and, and stuff, and, and people will define it so different. Like for some people, it's a 4X game. For some people, it's a strategy game. For some people, it's a role-playing game. And... Yeah, sort of juggling all these things. So I you think, are, yeah, yeah, you're right. There is a change of pace because um, because we are trying to to be true to all of those little pieces that we've put together. We try not to um, omit any one of them. So you know, to keep the balance. So another aspect. See, look, there's bits and pieces, but this one I know you probably can answer with some authority. I almost designed this question with you in mind. So, knowing your input into this particular, into, into Theatre 2, and in, in the first one as well, and uh, it's, there is a, what we can best describe as a choose-your-own-adventure mm. aspect to Theatre 2, the Shattering, indeed, the first one. So, how has that been integrated in the rest of the game design? So, another way of sort of saying that is that which has driven the other? Is the story-driven sort of aspects of the design, or is it the other way around, or is it a mixture of both? It, we try to always make it a mixture of both. So it's um, like I just said, we always try to have all those pieces on a. Well, we I don't know if we can achieve an equal measure, but we try to at least come close to that. So there will be aspects where I have to change the story or change the design because of other parts of the game. And there will be other parts of the game that change because of my story. So, you know, it's we, we work as a team in that and try not to uh, sort of dominate uh, any aspect. So that in, in that respect, I think working in a small team is, is a huge bonus because um, that communication between departments is, is much easier when, you know, when you're the boss of your department and there's only kind of four or five of you uh, i can only imagine if there was a hundred of us it would be impossible <laughs> that would be ubisoft 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. What's going on with Assassin's Creed? I, just, uh, I don't know. Good, last mm. one is good, but anyway, but it's really good to know that you are balancing the two because it's so easy to drive one versus the other. And when when you see that, it's either when the game is driven and everything and the story is bolted on, it feels wrong. You can see that. Oh, this is just a shell of something else. You just can. It's like the Matrix. You get to see the code and the story is not really meaningful. Whereas then you make it all to story. Well, then that's just, you know, um, it's great. But then it turns into Gone Home, which is, again, wonderful. But it's that, that's not what you want to create. There's a, there's some, yeah. That's not what you're about. So it's that fine balance between the two. And I do think you do a wonderful job of letting the char- letting players create their own stories while also giving them one to follow. Do you see what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. And I think, um, you know, the big thing to remember about Thea is it is RNG-driven still. Um, So the idea is people will replay it many times before they master it. And so when I design stories or quests, um, that's that's probably the biggest challenge that I have because I'm I'm very aware that someone's going to encounter the same quest for the 10th or 15th or 20th time um so my design um ideas always come in that so what am i trying to say i'm trying to say that so some people don't like the fact that my quests can be chaotic but it's a design choice because i want them to be surprising at times if you know what i mean so like if you've played it oh okay well i'm just going to click on the same answer that i did you know, five times before, and then suddenly something completely different might happen uh, because it's here and it's always been quite quite a chaotic world. So um, I think in a classical role-playing game, um, you'd have a little bit more control because you wouldn't expect people to, to replay it as, as many times. Uh, but in this one, yeah, that's been, that's been a, well, both a challenge and a joy um, to do those sort of stories. Okay. Now, we've hinted at many occasions during this whole interview, which I really appreciate you holding back on it, but uh, it's definitely Thea 2 and its predecessor, Thea, uh, can be quite overwhelming. And so I need to ask you this question because I believe, personally, when I've played both games, um, the player is really rewarded with methodical progression. And uh, it's like if, if they balance everything well then we don't expose them they limit the the risks they present or the hazards that are presented to the characters they put them you know that, that are sort of going through the journey that the god that you're playing is is putting them through so to speak because they they have to they're, they're trying to reach enlightenment in some way mm-hmm. uh, um what advice would you give to a player as they are starting out they're just sitting down not talking about demo, not when you go yeah. to an expo. I'm yeah. talking about if you talk to me and say, like, okay, Chris, get you starting yeah. off, knowing that I'm about to go on an extraordinary journey, what, what would you yes. tell us? Um, I think I'd say be patient because I think Theo is the kind of game where you have to not be afraid to fail a good few times mm. before you actually, and I think that's not necessarily the design of, of many games but i think in theory the idea is it's okay that you're going to get terribly you know 
just killed in many, many ways the first few times you try. But then, you know, you collect your god points and then when you start over again, you might get a chance at a better start or you learned a lesson. You know, you've you've learned that perhaps, you know, uh, letting your child go visit Baba Yaga isn't the best of ideas. And then, you know, once you get used to the world, I think you become like, like you said, you be, you know what to expect a little bit more. And I know I, I said I, I put chance into things, but there are there are some patterns that that you learn in time. Mm. That will increase your chances at at success. So I think yes, I, that would be my advice. Just be patient with it and don't be afraid to um, to fail. Basically, because um, it's going to happen. Yes, <laughs> it's, uh, you can try to do hard saves as much as you like and quick saves. And like no, you've it's kind of too late now. You've failed yeah. to feed your people, and now <laughs> you know they're just going to start starving to death because yeah. you're so obsessed about killing everything. Um, that's quite common uh, people go charging off going oh look there's some bunch of pigs oh please don't oh never mind um, yes. and then they get mauled and then they get wounded and then their main character who's, who's fighting for them can't fight anymore because they've got a broken yes. leg and then of course now you can get depressed or spiritually depleted and mm. you know they can just wander off and never come back because they're too depressed to stay with you so there's yeah, all very, sorts of challenges now very darkest dungeon which is a great mm. game, which uh, has yes, uh, yes. yes, it has like mental health as its yes, primary yes. <laughs> gauge. Like, uh, um, sorry, cleric's not healing you. Why? Because she's kind of stressed out right now. <laughs> for what yes. of this sort of demon from the great plains of death has suddenly appeared? She's kind of freaking out. Did you yep. just, you know, man up? No! <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I think. So we have an aspect of that now, Inthia, because if, um, if your people are down their mental health, they won't join you in combat. So it's exactly that. It's like, nah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Why? Because I'm kind of losing it here. The world yeah. is too dark. It's just... We can't take it anymore. Yeah, I can't, yeah. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Theatre 2, The Shattering by Muha Games is out now and under in early access, I hasten to add, yeah. for yeah. Windows PC. That's the platform it's currently on. Uh, I got into trouble once that I once sort of announced the platforms and I announced one of them and it's, oh no, <laughs> we haven't announced that one yet. And I got into trouble. So oh, no. yeah, I won't have it. But um, Mila, it's been fantastic having you on and chatting so openly about Theatre 2, The Shattering. It's been great. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's available on Steam and from your your own website and that kind of thing. We'll put all the links up on the show notes. Yeah. 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 Just Steam, just Steam. We don't do, like, direct sales. So okay. Right. Just Steam for now. Just uh, Steam for now. At least in early access, it's just the easiest for us. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised it's not good old games, considering. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but uh, like I said, uh, it's been great having you on. Do wish you the best of luck with its full release, which will yes. be whenever it is. I'm not going to ask you when because it's rude. But uh, I'm assuming sometime in 2019. Considering oh, yes. there's, not, there's not much yes. left of 2018 left, to be yes. fair. Um, but uh, again, you've been a fantastic guest, and you're more than welcome to come back on to chat about whatever next thing you've started to release. And trust us. We will be here. Even though it's probably two years from now, we will be here. We'll be going for five, we'll be going for another two, I'm sure. Great, excellent. 